Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Our first presentation is on intracranial hemorrhage and anticoagulation reversal in the ED. And Dr. Barbara Backus, who is an emergency physician from Franciscus Gethys and Vietland Hospital in Rotterdam, Netherlands, is a uh, internationally acclaimed emergency physician. You probably know her from the Heart Score, which she had a major responsibility for developing, which is now used across the world uh, for the diagnosis of patients with acute coronary syndrome. Dr. Backus, will you talk to us about intracranial hemorrhage? Well, thank you so much, Brian, for the kind introduction, and thank you all for being here um, and listen to our uh, presentations. For the next 10 minutes, I will talk to you about patients with intracranial hemorrhage who are on oral anticoagulants and their treatment in the emergency department. With increasing age, uh, vascular comorbidity, and the use of oral anticoagulants, we see increasing intracranial hemorrhage. And in fact, um, factor 10A uh, inhibitor-related intracranial hemorrhage affects up to 1 in 200 patients using a factor 10A inhibitor yearly. Um, and the 30-day mortality after an intracranial hemorrhage uh, is up to 48%. When we look at the data from the ANEXA-4 study, um, it shows that when patients with intracranial hemorrhage are treated with endexinet alpha, they had excellent or good hemostatic efficacy within 12 hours after infusion, and the mortality drops to 16%, which is quite impressive. Um, one might be, be able to argue whether mortality is the best outcome here uh, or whether it is residual symptoms, but at least it shows that uh, hemostatic um, effect is very good after indexinet alpha. So what do we do when we see a patient at the emergency department with oral anticoagulant-related bleeding? Well, first of all, it's important to give proper resuscitation and hemodynamic support following our ABCs. Um, also important, especially in intracranial hemorrhage, to be aware of hematoma expansion. And in order to, uh, to overcome that, um, it's important to do proper blood pressure control and um, uh, try to achieve a blood pressure of 140 millimeters mercury. Um, in case that intracranial hemorrhage is, uh, for example, in a patient with trauma, it's also important to order blood products when needed. Um, we should give tranexamic acid um, if it is within three hours after uh, the event. And um, in trauma patients, tranexamic acid has shown to be effective. In patients with intracranial hemorrhage, the evidence is less convincing. Um, however, it doesn't seem to harm them as well. Then it is important to early uh, think of targeted intervention, which is mostly interventional radiology in the case of intracranial hemorrhage. And then we might ask ourselves, 
whether or not any reversal of anticoagulants is needed. In order to answer that question, whether or not we need to reverse or replete um, uh, coagulation factors, uh, we have to ask ourselves several questions. And the first question is, is this patient really anticoagulated? Did he or she use his medication? Then the second question is, which anticoagulant is this patient using? Is it one of the coumarines or warfarin? Or is it one of the DOACs, the direct anticoagulants? When was the last time the medication was taken? Was it just this morning? Or was the patient already feeling a little bit unwell and didn't, did he take his last medication uh, yesterday evening? You must have some knowledge on, on the half-lives of the medication that the patients are using. And as you can see in this table, um, warfarin has the longest half-life of the uh, oral anticoagulants, where the DOEX have a much shorter half-life of 5 up to 15 hours. However, it must be said that in compromised and sick patients, uh, recent studies show that the half-life runs up to uh, sometimes even 20 hours. So we cannot fully rely on the half-life of the oral anticoagulants uh, in patients that are really sick. And the fifth question we have to ask ourselves, what is the renal function? And uh, this question is important because, as you can see in the table, the renal clearance is especially important in the oral anticoagulants, and patients with kidney dysfunction tend to have a longer half-life. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine Office of Continuing Medical Education. EMCREG International, and Total CME Incorporated. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.